What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you. It is Twitter Tuesday here on the podcast, and that means that you guys take control of the conversation by submitting your takes, your questions, your items for me to address here on the podcast. And once again, you filled it up with outstanding items for me to get into. Make sure that you get your items addressed on a Twitter Tuesday podcast by sending them to me on Twitter at the Joe Marino is my handle. The hashtag is Twitter Tuesday, or you can send me an email, which is Joe at the draftnetwork.com. Either way is perfectly good for getting a hold of me. And so just make sure that you do it so that we keep the fun rolling here on these Tuesday podcasts. Before I get into the first one today, don't miss tomorrow's Water Cooler Wednesday. It's a little different than previous editions of the show, but the concept is really fun. Uh, I had a really good guest on that you guys are familiar with, and I would just encourage you to not miss it. Hit the subscribe button and get ready for a really fun show on Wednesday. It's a longer one. It's over an hour, but it's worth it. So plan accordingly for your Wednesday listening. All right, the first one today comes from Kenny. Kenny says, "Keep uh, love the pod. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Kenny. I appreciate that. With the Madden 20 ratings coming out, do you feel any disrespect towards the Bills? Some of the ratings to me seem pretty harsh, especially someone like Jordan Poyer and Mitch Morse. Also, do you think this may be a good thing? It could some add some fire to some of the players for sure. We could be sneaky, underrated, under-the-radar team to possibly get into the playoffs like 2017. Um, before I get into some of the specific Bills ratings, the second thing that you brought up there, Kenny, about uh, fuel for the players, this matters a lot to the players. If anyone followed Twitter throughout the day on Monday when the ratings came out, players were commenting on them left and right. Keenan Allen uh, was on a rant, a video rant about his ratings and uh, some of the Packers players. So this matters to these players. And so, yeah, if there's some, I mean, not that like their careers and the, their, you know, their ultimate earnings potential isn't enough. I mean, it's certainly something that fuels them. And I know that it's it's something that players going into the league, they talk about being in Madden. So while it may seem like a little bit silly, it matters to these players. Uh, as far as the Bills go, yeah, Jordan Poyer, that one pissed me off. Uh, mostly because the safeties that were rated higher than him, he's a lot better of a football player. He should have been somewhere in the top 10 to 12 range, and he was re- like near 20. And so I, I thought that was a very disrespectful rating. You mentioned Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse has a rating of, I think, 81. Uh, yeah, 81. And I, I didn't hate it. Uh, look, as long as he's... Okay, he's rated as the 11th center in Madden. I'd like to see him be a little higher than that. You know, maybe somewhere closer to the top seven or eight. So that's a little bit low, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too upset with it. The two that do make me pretty mad are Josh Allen at 74. Not that 74 is a bad rating for Josh Allen, but the fact that Lamar Jackson is ahead of him and Sam Darnold, like I don't know what that's about. Lamar Jackson, the concerns that that some people have with Josh Allen are double, triple 
with Lamar Jackson. I, I have no idea why he would be rated higher than Josh Allen. And then I was really surprised to see Jason Kroom. Jason Kroom's a 73? Like that seems a little bit rich to me. Like, what has Jason Kroom done to to warrant a rating of like a 73? I thought that was a little bit odd to me. Like Star Latoule is a 74? Like Jason Star Latoule, a $10 million a year player that's a really good run defender is is one point better than a tight end that's trying to earn a roster spot on a on a team that doesn't have any good tight ends. Oh, Tremaine Edmonds was a 74. I don't know. I just I, Jason Kroon was they were awfully generous with his rating in my opinion. That one was one that I thought was a little bit funny to me. Uh okay, let's move on to the Bills guys. The Bills guys uh thoughts on Matt Milano 77 in Madden. Uh Madden rating in general, they seem to really undersell a lot of players. Uh let's look at at Matt Milano. He's a 77. You guys know what I think about Matt Milano. I think I think he's a I mean he's I think he's a star in the making and his the way he played in 13 games last year was of a superstar caliber. So I'm very excited about him in this season. I I don't I don't know like maybe he should have been an 80. I'm not sure that it's that low. I do respect that it's higher than Tremaine Edmonds. And and I I'm very high on Tremaine Edmonds. I'm excited about what he can be, but he Matt Milano from what we saw last year was better than Tremaine Edmonds, and I can see as a ratings person, a, a, a first-round pick, a guy with a lot of flashes, but giving the credit to, to Matt Milano as the higher-rated player is something that I can get behind and respect. Let's move on here to John. John says, love the pod. Thank you, John. Can you talk a little bit about Christian Wade and his roster status if he doesn't make the 53? Given his skill set and rugby background, he seems like a great fit at gunner and punt returner. Would you ever see a situation where he can make the roster as a primary punt returner and gunner? Also, why don't we see more rugby players in the NFL who might be able to fill multiple positions? John, I think it's a good good question, a good talking point here. Um, so if, if Christian Wade doesn't make the 53, the Bills can keep him on the practice squad and it doesn't count towards the maximum amount of practice squad players they can have this year. So basically, because they have Christian Wade, they're gifted another body on the practice squad, which is a good thing for a lot of reasons. It's another body that, that's helpful in practice, but also good for Christian Wade because he's going to make a, a good living as a practice squad player and gives him a chance to learn football. And so, you know, the transition from rugby to the NFL, we have we don't have a lot of like examples or case studies that we can refer to to see what that looks like and how translatable it is. I mean, you know, we've all kind of seen the same YouTube videos about Christian Wade and him playing rugby, and I have no idea how that translates to the NFL. I know he's a good athlete, and good athletes, you know, there's spots for them in the roles that you mentioned, right, like as a punt gunner or as a returner. But in terms of the football piece of it, I, I, you know, I think there's a big learning curve, and I think this is a good year for him. To, to figure that out, see where he fits, give the Bills an opportunity to do the same, and see if he can help the team in 2020 and beyond. Uh, so I think, you know, especially just with that kind of being a luxury of having that player, 
I think you'll see Christian Wade on the practice squad, and he'll be a fun player to, to monitor in the preseason. You know, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about in this preseason with Tyree Jackson and some of the receivers and Devin Singletary, how the offensive line shakes out. But low key, like I'm excited to see what Christian Wade does and what type of situations the Bills coaching staff put him in to see what he can do. It's it's very it's very intriguing to me. Vin Piscopio says to my question. If Buffalo plays as well as we all hope to start the season and actually beats the Patriots in Buffalo, is it okay to be excited that they actually might compete for the division? Thanks, Go Bills. Vin, I am never going to tell anyone how excited or not excited they should be about anything. And if the Bills beat the Patriots by all indications they in that scenario they should have beaten the Jets Giants and Bengals and the Bills would be 4-0 with with a win over the Patriots if that's the case by all means get really excited that 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 is exciting in, in and of itself if the Bills were 1-3 and three and their one win came against the Patriots get excited because it doesn't happen very often this is the only thing I'll say We've seen the Bills start very well. We've seen five and one starts. We've seen really good early starts to the season and then them not finish so well. So you you do what you need to with your emotions. Uh, but if there's anything that the Buffalo Bills have taught us, it's that don't uh, don't count those chickens before they hatch or the, whatever that saying is about eggs and chickens and hatching. I'm not sure exactly how it goes, but uh uh, you know, be cautious because the, you, there's a lot of heartbreak in in being a Bills fan, and uh, and, and you know the the first quarter of the season matters. Uh, but if if we're expecting this team to to win football games and stack wins and compete for the postseason, it's going to be you know it's going to take a lot of wins, and and hopefully the the Bills are able to to win one against the Patriots this year, maybe two. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see what happens. That's why they play the games. That's why we don't just crown people right now. And there's a process to be to be had. And, and you see teams turn around things very quickly. And you see teams decline very quickly. So uh, let's be excited about the season and some of the intrigue that comes with it. Before we go any further, I want to talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function in the bedroom to enhance their performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy. Best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay that $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON. To try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Next one here comes from Ryan Kane. Ryan says, finally, I've been really enjoying your work with the Lockdown Bills podcast. Keep it up. Thank you, Ryan. Secondly, I have recently been served a plate of chicken wings accompanied by sour cream. So that is a thing, apparently. 
How was it, Ryan? Because I'm not bold enough to try that. I don't really like sour cream to begin with, let alone mixing a wonderful food like a chicken wing with sour cream. I cannot get my head wrapped around that. And then finally, much ado was made about the offensive line run-blocking schemes of Rick Dennison and Greg Roman, as well as the suitability of those schemes to the personnel on the team. However, I do not recall similar discussion about that with Dable. So one, what run-blocking scheme does Dable employ? And two, do any of the new additions from this offseason suit that scheme particularly well or poorly? Very good points, Ryan. The the run blocking scheme of Ryan of Brian Dable is multiple. It's not strictly gap power. It's not strictly inside outside zone, which are the two uh, prominent rushing schemes that exist in the NFL. I think the Bills do a good job of mixing that up uh, in terms of the personnel that they're going up against and how their personnel meshes with it. Um, and if anything, I would say that. Between the pickups of Mitch Morse and Devin Singletary, that inside-outside zone seems to suit them better. But I don't really have any concerns about them in a gap power scheme. So I think when you talk about the Bills' run scheme, it's multiple. And lateral mobility and power both matter a lot in this group. And that the Bills are going to do different things in the run game. And so... I don't feel like the Bills have, you know, heavy-footed guys that you don't feel good about them working laterally and reach blocking and really kind of kind of working those outside zone concepts, but I don't also think that they have guys that really lack the power to to execute in a gap power scheme. So, I think it's multiple and I'm comfortable with the personnel in terms of a multiple run scheme. Paul says, "I enjoy offensive line play. After many games, I'll evaluate each player by using a scale of 1 to 4." One means lost the matchup, two a stalemate, three won the matchup, four a dominant play. I do not score plays that have no bearing on the outcome of the play. I then take the total in points and divide that by the number of plays with a score to come up with a grade for each player. Please explain a method you use to grade offensive line play. I'm looking to enhance my evaluations. Um, interesting process, Paul. I don't, I don't not like it. I'll tell you that. Um, if you're looking for some tips on on grading offensive line performance, Steve Palazzolo with Pro Football Focus have done a good job of outlining their process for grading offensive line play with video examples and things like that. I would definitely check that out as well as their information on how they grade players, which is basically a a, a zero if either you know, they if a zero is if they do exactly what every NFL offensive lineman should do. It goes up to a plus two for a plus two would be a spectacular play. A minus two would be a spectacular bad play. And and then it can range anywhere, you know, from a, a 0.25, a 0.5, a one, a 1.5. And then from there, it's a cumulative, you know, how it adds up. Um, as far as how I grade offensive line play, I don't grade outcome of plays. You know, when I'm evaluating prospects for the NFL, I am looking at their traits and how the most important traits that I believe are critical to being a good offensive lineman are, I grade them based on how good they are in that area, not necessarily what happens on any one given play. So, for example, uh, one of my grades is hand technique. And so for my process, it's a 100-point scale where 100 is elite, the best hand technique you could possibly have. 90 is excellent. 80 is good. 70 is average 60 is below average 40 is a fail 
And so that's how I do mine. And then I take all the traits that I grade players in and they're weighted differently. So hand technique might be 12% of the evaluation. Power might be 18% of the evaluation. Um, footwork could be 22%. So you know, that's just me spewing off stuff. I don't have my spreadsheet in front of me, but that's conceptually how I do it. Would be happy. Listen, hit me up on the emails. If you want me to talk about that more in depth or, or share more information, Paul, hit me up on email. I'd be happy to uh, to dive a little bit deeper into that with you. Kyle Krupski says, I know it's pre-training camp, but are there any potential roster cuts in other teams that could help out the pass rush? Would love to have someone on the other side to help not waste Jerry Hughes. Kyle, if there's any meaningful players that are on other teams that get cut, that could help the Bills, I'd be very surprised because good pass rushers are not really players that you're able to add this time of year. If there's anyone that's intriguing out there, it's probably Nick Perry from the Green Bay Packers, who has who's had some good seasons in the NFL, but Packers fans don't necessarily speak glowingly about him. Pass rush help is 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 something you've got to address with premium assets, whether it's free agent dollars, whether it's a trade, or it's it's drafting a player high in the draft. The hope for the Buffalo Bills pass rush off the edge, opposite of Jerry Hughes, is that Trent Murphy rediscovers his 2016 form and that Shaq Lawson in a contract year gives you the best version of himself. And so outside of that, I don't know where it comes from. Maybe Lorenzo Alexander bumps down and gives you some edge rush. Maybe there's something in Eli Harold, Mike Love. There's some in- intriguing, uh, you know, athletic skill set there with Mike Love. But re- in all reality, I think you, you, you kind of have the cast of characters you're going to have when it comes to the opposite pass rusher from Jerry Hughes coming off the edge. A uh, s- couple more here. Stanley Carter says, uh, he's got a couple here. This is fun. One, where did the draft pick announcement intro go? I took it off. It felt long. I felt like I did it for long enough. And I I, uh, I wanted to you know kind of strip it down and not have such a long wait for you guys to get to me talking on the podcast. But I have some fun intros planned that are appertuant to the opponent that the Bills play each week during the regular season. So I have that coming up for you in September. Um, but uh, yeah, I just felt like it was a little bit long, and I thought maybe people were growing tired of it. If you guys want it back, let me know. I, I'll put it back. That's no problem. Number two, he says, what number is Jerry Judy going to wear for the Bills in 2020? Well, let's hope the Bills aren't picking high enough in the draft that they're in striking range for Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's a wide receiver from Alabama. A lot of people right now feel like he's the best prospect in the draft going into the season. I mean, he's special. If there's something that's close to Odell Beckham Jr., it's probably Jerry Judy. I mean, his his athleticism, his fluidity, his ball skills, his speed, he checks all the boxes. In terms of a, a modern-day NFL receiver, I think he's exactly what you're looking for. Uh, but let's hope the Bills are not in striking range to get Jerry Judy. And and that'll be one of the fascinating parts of the season is, you know, did the Bills' strategy of not really having a bona fide true number one receiver, did that is that something that, in hindsight, the Bills are going to wish that they addressed going into 2019. So we'll 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 be better suited to talk more seriously about if the Bills have a need at receiver by the end of the season. And then Stanley's real question here is which top college receiver would fit best on the Bills roster in 2020? Looking forward to watching them all year. Uh you know, look Jerry Jerry Judy's a universal scheme fit. I'll give you a, a, two players that I think could be more likely if you know if the Bills are picking somewhere in the 
let's just say, 15 to 25 range. Let's just put it out there. I think there's two players that come to mind at receiver. LaVisca Chenault from uh, Colorado. He's he's a three-level threat, really good after the catch, really good ball skills down the field. Um, I think if you want to get creative with him and and use him at, you know, in tunnel screens and stuff like that, but also you know his ability to stretch the field. I think it's all there. It's a type of weapon that I can see meshing well with Josh Allen and one that doesn't really exist currently on the roster. The other name that uh, comes to mind is CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Insane ball skills. Insane. I mean, unbelievable body control and ball skills. I don't think he has elite speed, but he's a good route runner that knows how to get open. And so his ability to separate plus ball skills and elite body control you know, I, I like how that could mesh with Josh Allen. Last one here comes from Jack Lux. He says, does the NFL allow for trading protected versus unprotected first round picks similar to the NBA? I'd be okay with dealing a protected first round pick if it's outside the top 10 for Clowney, but I wouldn't be willing to give up a top 10 pick for him. Uh, Jack, I don't think it, I, I don't have anything specific that says, no, you cannot protect draft picks that you trade in the NFL. However, I don't think you can because it's never happened. You know, I, I think that we would have seen, we have seen some examples of this coming through and, and we always talk about, well, this team should or shouldn't trade their first round pick because it's likely to be high or it's likely to be late in the draft. So if you have the ability to protect or unpro- you know, a, a certain range of picks that you trade, I think we would have seen it. I, I I don't think that you can do that. That's going to do it for us today. I enjoyed this. Some some fun stuff that you guys gave, some different type of, of angles that uh, were brought to my attention today. So I really appreciate you know the unique stuff that uh, you guys wanted to get into on today's show. Make sure that you get yours in for next week. It's never too early to send your Twitter Tuesdays in for next week. Again, at the Joe Marino, hashtag Twitter Tuesday. Or you can hit me up on email, joe at thedraftnetwork.com. Do not miss tomorrow's Water Cooler Wednesday. It's a lot of fun. You can make sure you don't miss it by hitting that subscribe button. I always appreciate your five-star reviews and your written reviews. All that stuff really helps this podcast. And probably more than anything, anytime you share it. If you hit that retweet button or if you share the podcast or tell someone about it, all that stuff is so, so helpful. So I really, really appreciate that. And we'll be back again for you tomorrow. And until then, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Bills.